Welcome everyone back to the Sandalanch. This week we are doing Mistborn the Alloy of Law, chapters eight and eight to nine. Eight, nine, and ten, sorry. You can edit that, right? Yeah, chapters eight right. to ten. In these chapters, uh, we see Wayne go and interrogate some of the survivors of the ballroom massacre by sneaking into the precinct under false pretenses. Follow- following that, there's a conversation between Marisai and Wax in their room, which ends with uh, the butler trying to kill everyone by blowing it the <laughs> fuck up. So that was interesting. And then following that, uh, our trio decide to go and check out the hideout that Wayne found information from and uh, some of the things they find there. I'm Dak, and with me as always is... Dita. Joe. And Jamie. All right, buckle up. The Sand Lanch is about to begin. The streets spin shimmers and the walls they curl. The grip of greed, it rains. There's just one track to lead this moving train. The price of progress is a dying world. So yeah, I, I, I like the description of it as like the survivors of the massacre, which makes it sound really horrible, but it's like, oh no, it was a massacre of all the bad guys and the good guys win. Yeah. Yeah. It makes it sound like they were the victims when they initiated it. Yeah. It's all their fault, really. <laughs> they, they they deserved it. So yeah, um, made. <laughs> what did you guys think of these three chapters? This nice big chunk of the book that we read this time. This is pretty fun. Yeah, like I enjoyed seeing Wayne. Like this, like this, this was the first chapter was Wayne in his element. Just like, all right, this is me putting putting on a, a false identity and scamming my way inside to to like get a task done. So it was really fascinating seeing him pull that off. And just the points where it's like you're making it obvious you actually aren't who you say you are. And then he just like sort of spins around and finds some way to to get back on top of the situation. So that was a lot of fun. Yeah, the the butler, shit. Okay. Yeah. Who saw that coming? Jeez. I mean, when 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 he put, when he came into the room and started preparing tea, and he didn't say anything, and no one else said anything about it, but just the note that he came in, something like set off a red flag. I'm just like, hang on, why wouldn't? I feel like he should like someone should acknowledge him or something. Not so. Yeah, mm-hmm. the fact that he just went completely unannounced. I've just gone. Something's not right here. So, but uh. Yeah, no, he went above and beyond. Maybe, po- all right, poison didn't work, pull out the gun. Gun didn't work, blow it up. Maybe they've got it all wrong. Maybe he wasn't out to kill Wax the whole time. Maybe he was just a disgruntled employee <laughs> and he was like, well, this is my chance. So if they don't acknowledge me, that's it. I'm pulling out everything. <laughs> I'm going to come prepared for this. Yeah, or if Wayne... You have ignored me for the last time, comment. sir. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it turns out he's always prepared. <laughs> Today was the day. So, based, <laughs> he's always had the tea in his back, uh, the poison in his back pocket. Yeah, just always ready to go. If you piss him off one step too far, there's he's, the poison's right there. <laughs> but I, based on something that he wrote in the annotations, I gotta ask: Did anyone see it as any sort of red flag when he only ha- made one cup of tea? Yes. 
So, like, I kind of had the same feeling that Dak had. It's like when he came in and nobody acknowledged him and he didn't say anything. And then when he only made one cup of tea to serve to wax, because, like, that's not a normal thing he would do. Like, normally, I would think that his his plan would be to serve everybody. And so he would have poured several cups at one time, you know, because that is what you would normally do when somebody has guests. You would serve mm-hmm. everybody at the same time. Yeah. So that threw up a red flag, and then immediately when he, like, basically, after reading the whole section, I'm like, okay, so his original intent was probably only to kill Wax. And then when that didn't work, he had to try to shoot Wax, and when that didn't work, that's when he had to blow up everybody. Mm. Because I don't think he was planning on killing anyone else when he originally came in, just Wax. So Brendan mentions in the annotations that that is in there specifically it's it's like a hit to people that he only makes this one cup of tea this guy is not used to trying to kill people and he was so nervous that he makes the mistake of not making everybody tea when and like poisoning one of the cups or whatever and it's supposed to be a hint to you that something is a little bit off before it happens and he's like my writing group caught this but they thought it was a mistake in the writing and tried to correct it so also he didn't he didn't ask what sort of tea anyone wanted which Mm. he was super uh, like you know all over before so yeah, I found that more weird. I sort of missed that he only made the one. I think in my head I was kind of like, you've made one and you'll make the others after? Uh, that would make sense too. Although I think you'd serve the guests first probably, wouldn't you? Well, you I don't would know. think so. But I, I wasn't expecting yeah. anything to happen at all with him. So, right. yeah, it just it kind of all came as a bit of a shock anyway. And then you go back in hindsight and go, oh, yeah, okay, I see the red flags. Sorry, Jack, we kind of got uh, got yeah. off on a sidetrack during your thing. Did you have anything else you wanted to throw out? That's okay. Oh, just like um, the the exploring the foundry chapter was oh, that was kind of interesting. Um, I did like the look into Wayne's backstory and his history, but beyond like beyond that, it was just like all right, we're searching and we didn't really find anything. I'm sure the numbers on the box will be be important at some point, but I've got nothing on how or why. So we'll see when we come to it. But yeah, on the whole, like these chapters, like. Every chapter had something very nice and meaty and, and interesting in it. We didn't even really see here or hear what the numbers were, so it would be hard to guess like what their significance might be. Yeah, true. Yeah, these uh, these chapters were good. I like. I think this is probably the thing I like most about this book at this point is that they're solving. There's a lot of mysteries going on right now, and so there's a lot of stuff to kind of figure out and solve, which is uh, something I always really enjoy in books like these. So, but yes, I will say. Until he came in and I was like, something's off with this guy. I will say I was completely shocked by Tealum. And I almost expected them to be like, oh, this this wasn't even Tealum. It was an imposter or something. But then, you know, everybody blows up. So you don't even really get a chance to verify if it was him or not. But yeah, I was I was pretty shocked by that. And then I did like that they addressed. Could he possibly have had a hand in the uncle's demise as well? Because mm. I thought I was thinking that as soon as he you know he he tried to kill them i'm like well maybe his uncle and sister and all them didn't die by accident so i'm i'm kind of glad that they addressed that the foundry stuff was was okay you know it's like okay well we're going to this empty place it's not super super interesting but yeah i did like the wayne's backstory stuff a little bit which i mean by his character and mannerisms i kind of figured maybe he was a criminal at one point because he's constantly clipping things and yeah it's uh, true he steals yeah. a lot for a cop right right so. So I was like, yeah, maybe he had a kind of a rough upbringing and I kind of skipped over the beginning part, but I really loved the, 
Wayne. I think that's the that's the scene I've liked Wayne in the most when he pretends to be a, a police officer and goes in and interrogates those guys. I think that's probably my favorite Wayne stuff so far. So yeah, I'm I really liked all three of these chapters. Probably the first two a little bit more than the last one, but yeah, it was fun. I like the idea that it's not Talam. And that they, they they found out there. This man's wearing a mask, like a mission yeah. impossible mask, <laughs> right? Like you know, just I mean, you know, Wayne has plenty of disguises to deceive people. Sure. You know, maybe maybe somebody else is is good at that too. So, yeah, but I mean, it makes more sense that it was actually him. But it's also kind of sad. Now we may never know unless the real Talam shows up and he's like, "I was on vacation. What happened here?" <laughs> yeah, don't you remember you you signed for me to go on vacation and everything? <laughs> he's like, "Oh yeah." <laughs> He's like, I got or, so distracted with my foundry but, work. I was going to say, like, uh, maybe they they could get to the foundry and find the real Tillam tied up in, like, the boiler yeah, room or something. That's true. I think it also helps make a little more sense out of um, out of the uh, him not wanting Marisai to be there. Like, when she shows up that day, he's just kind of like, because uh, he probably true. knows at that point that he's going to have to do it. Also, I skipped over this, but something else I wanted to address is this, uh, we found out that Marisai is the half-sister of Steris. Steris. Yeah. yeah, so that's that's a big reveal, too. So that kind of that kind of helps alleviate some of the, like, hmm, this lady's still hiding something vibes. Because she was. Uh, she was. It wasn't as sinister as we thought. But maybe there's still more. You never know. Mm-hmm. There's always another secret. <laughs> yeah, no joke. Uh, yeah, I really like these chapters as well. I really enjoyed seeing Wayne imitate a police officer i thought that was a lot of fun and it was really nice to kind of get in his head and see a bit of what he's doing you know with his different accents and disguises like he puts a lot of thought into all of this stuff which was really cool and sort of how he was like playing the crooks and i i really liked that i thought that was a very cool character i really enjoy him and then really nice to see that uh, sort of the flip side of a bit of the way like why he is this way later on i am quite enjoying the dynamic between all three of our main characters at the moment there's no one that i really hate or am annoyed by yet which is good <laughs> what happened in the middle yeah that i mean we've, we've touched on the scene about I, I just didn't expect you know an assassination attempt i'm very interested to know what has happened there and what his tie-in is and yeah the mystery of what happened with the uncle unfolding too there's, there's all sorts of different crimes we've got you know, bloody tan thing and all sorts of different things. I'm so excited to see how little bits of all of this stuff comes together. But, yeah, it was a good read. Really enjoying it so far. Hmm. Yeah, it, the thing with the butler, I, if you were looking back, maybe it even sheds more light on the multiple chapters where he's tried to convince Wax to pay attention to his house finances and stop trying to fight crime. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and and so then it makes me wonder, like, what his role in it was. Was he just keeping tabs on Wax and being charged to keep him out of their business? You know, like, mm-hmm. was that his whole purpose? And they're like, OK, if he, if you can't keep him out of our business, then you're going to have to kill him. And it, it almost lends credence also to the theory that uh, I think both Dak and Jamie kind of had from the start where it was like, are are they watch interested in wax are they going to try to take wax was mayor size some sort of plant to draw wax out or something so apparently somebody has been keeping an eye on wax from even before we knew there was anything going on and who better than the butler never well, I mean, trust the butler we we've we've also assumed like if we're right and it is his old frenemy miles who is behind everything 
I don't know what their relationship was, but if like, that was behind and he, and he has a personal stake in it against Wax, it makes sense that he would have someone on the inside, inside Wax's household. Yes, indeed. I just said inside twice. What an idiot. <laughs> Some man on the inside who's on the also on the inside. Yeah. Although it really is interesting. The inside man who's not allowed inside. <laughs> it's like the, co- <laughs> it's true. It's the coachman and the coachman is the inside man, but they don't let him inside. Oh, is that why Steris has the dalliances with the coachman? Because you don't let him in the house. <laughs> like, like we see the – isn't it the coachman who, like, Wax looks out the window after the explosion and sees him outside? Like, oh, my gosh. Like, he doesn't even go inside when there's an <laughs> explosion and then street. you might need to save somebody. He's he's standing in the street just going, oh, man, i got to quit drinking. <laughs> uh, I guess – okay, let's get into these things. We're going to start with the uh, the broadsheet page or quarter of a page that we get because there's a few interesting little things on here. The first article is about is there life across the ocean, and it tells the story of some shipwrecked people who wound up on a strange island and found a refugee there with a mysterious story that we don't actually get to hear any of in here. But maybe there's an, uh, some other culture out there besides just us here in Ellendale Basin. And I mean, could be interesting. And that is something I've sort of noticed about, like, the books so far in the Cosmere. It's like, yeah, they're all on these separate planets, but we only ever seem to see one small chunk of it. Mm. Now, granted, in Era 1 of Mistborn, that made sense because, you know, the rest of the planet was uninhabitable. So the Lord Ruler just ruled over what was left. But even in Elantris, it was like we like the action was contained to this one section. And then as we saw in Emperor's Soul, it's like there is actually more action elsewhere on the planet that is just, you know, left out. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I mean, granted, a full global adventure is probably a lot to have to try and cover off in an, in a novel like this size. So I get it. But it does seem like we really spend a lot of time confined to one area of each planet. Even just one city, like the entire first Mistborn book was all in Luthadel, and the second one was pretty much all in Luthadel. And then Elantris takes yeah, place almost entirely in like K slash Elantris. Yeah. All all of the Emperor's Soul takes place in one room for the most part, and all inside the palace at the very least. So yeah, you're not wrong. I like the two competing articles like right across from each other. <laughs> one is like horseless carriages are a menace, and one is like the automobile is superior to the horse. So they're in a transitional <laughs> period, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> that was great. I can't believe have the, both those on like the front page. Right? Gotta give equal time to each perspective. We get Iron Eyes sightings on the rise, which one, not much detail in uh, in the section that we see, but it's interesting. Like, when death walks the streets of Ellendale, how can you know that you're safe? Here are 16 tips proven to help Iron keep Iron Eyes from your home. Wards are included to make yeah, him pass over 16. while you're sleeping. Yeah, it's gotta be 16, right? I just like the idea that there's a ward that you can put on your door and Iron Eyes is like, oh, okay, I guess I can't go in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's like, ah, I, sort of... I wasn't invited in. <laughs> I just assumed it was some kind of metal or something. It's like they couldn't see anything oh. through. And then that would sort of keep them away. If you can't make out the details, they're likely to not go in. <laughs> That's an interesting. Maybe. Yeah. When it said wards are included, I guess I just thought they'd like drawn a picture of like a ward that you can copy. But your your thought makes sense. Mm. Hmm. Let's see if it pans out. It's like line line the house with lead, and then he can't see inside, and he doesn't know your home. Use our lead based paint. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yeah. And then the last one is an interesting. It's the the fa- faceless immortal saved my life. A woman in the fifth octant su- suffered a harrowing experience when a fire broke out in her tenement. 
She and her children were saved by a shadowy figure she swore was wearing the face of her departed husband. A sighting of one of the faceless immortals? Delusion? Simple fancy? You decide. Okay. So this made me think, using the face of your departed husband, is there still a candor somewhere around using old Mm. bones? Mmm. That that is kind of the impression it gives. Yeah, that's a good point. Because I thought they were all... I thought they were all dead, or, you know, at least, you know, no longer sentient after everything, and it didn't seem like Sazed went to a lot of work to restore them. Yeah, they all pulled out their spikes, at least all the ones that were, like, within earshot of his call to, like, the time has come, do the resolution, or whatever, they all pulled out their spikes. But, uh... Yeah. I mean, there could have been more other places. We made jokes about one being in in the bath. Yeah, we did. I remember But, I mean, there could have been some (laughs) who were still out on a job or whatever and survived somewhere. It's possible. I guess. And honestly, I mean, who knows? Maybe you just toss the spikes back in and everybody's happy. I don't know. True. I guess we don't know what happened to their spikes afterwards, do we? No. So maybe mm. maybe they're still out there somewhere. The faceless immortals serving harmony for some reason. Uh, okay. But yeah, that's everything on that uh, broadsheet page. The Ellendell Daily News. Content for every octant. <laughs> they, they want everybody to buy Content it. Content for the octant. <laughs> so yes, we start out with Wayne going into the fourth octant constabulary precinct offices. It's a long, long name. Why is it Connors wore such uncomfortable hats? Bad hats. A bad hat could make a man right disagreeable, and that was the truth. He puts a lot of stock in hats, uh, does Wayne? His lucky hat, his constable hat, whatever. But yeah, like he just he just busts in, and later he he mentions he's like, all you got to do is act important and angry, and people want to get out of your way. He's <laughs> He's stolen a uniform from, uh, or tra- I'm sorry, he traded for a uniform up in the seventh octant, left a real, ni- a r- right good shirt as a replacement, as fair a trade as any man could ask. After all, that shirt had been silk. Ooh. So, to- totally good <laughs> yeah, trade for you. <laughs> Where'd he get the silk shirt, though? Probably Wax's house. But yeah, so he's, uh, he's who's in charge here? And they're like, oh, you want Captain Breton, sir? Where the hell is he? And then he, uh, he strolls over. He he didn't imitate accents. He outright stole them. They're the only things he's allowed to steal. As, as an amateur voice actor, it's like listening to him talk about accents and how he picks it up. I'm just like, finally, someone put it into words. Mm, I wish I could pick them up as easily as he does. This is impressive. And he can mix and match. He's like, I throw a little bit of that in here and a little bit of this. Yep. So he, he goes to knock on this guy's door when Captain Breton pops out. He's like, what's this racket? What's all the yelling? And he pretends to be, I don't know if he's made up this name or if this is the actual name of the captain over in the seventh octant, but uh, he's he's relying on the fact that he's heard that Breton is terrible with names and is uh, worried about, and always getting people mixed up. So he's like, OK, I can use that. He's like, oh, we, we sat at the same table at the chairman's dinner last spring. Don't you remember me? And so this accent is a mixture of seventh son lord and foreman of an iron works with just a hint of canal captain. <laughs> Made him feel like he he's stuffed cotton in half of his mouth and had borrowed the voice from an angry dog. <laughs> I just want really to try sure. use, I want to use that description to try to come up with this accent. That sounds amazing. Uh, hold on. Uh, where is he? Where is the, where is the captain? I feel like you sound drunk. Yeah, well, he might be. <laughs> he's got makes that really frustrated. Where is he? Where is he at once? I didn't get a harumph from that guy. Harumph, harumph. You watch your ass. Aru. <laughs> Headless, headless body of Agnew. 
<laughs> yeah, that's what I was hearing in that sound. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like that even when he was in Weathering, he just he sometimes takes trips to Elendil to collect some accents. That's where all the best ones are. I guess you get good variety in the city. Right? Yeah. And so he's, he's like, hey, what? What's all this about you having prisoners from the Vanishers gang? Good steal, man. We had to hear from the broadsheets. And so they they have a discussion. And apparently there's a jurisdictional thing where it's like, because they were captured here, the fourth octant constabulary gets them for like an initial inquest. But because they were already wanted for crimes in the seventh octant, then they get them for prosecution rights, he says. He's like, he had to have Wax write all that down for him so that he would know what he was saying. And uh, I like, he says, the, the captain's like, oh, well, we sent you a missive that we had them. And it's like, you know how many missives we get in a day? And he goes, well, you should hire somebody to go look, sort through them for you. That's what I did. And then uh, after he makes all this speech, he's like, well, you have to have a written request for that. And Wayne's like, well, we sent a missive. And Breton's like, well, I mean, we get a lot of missives. Like, I thought you said you had somebody, hired somebody to read them. And it's like, yeah, well, we sent them out for scones earlier, you see. <laughs> you're in a reverse card oh well then can i have one of the scones or the prisoners <laughs> scones huh the, the, the funny thing is i don't know which one wayne meant when he said that i'm just like i can't believe the guy even offered them he's like can i have one of the scones <laughs> like it's like well i wasn't going to but now that you've offered sure i mean yeah now that you mentioned it that's not what, what kind you get I, I, I love the expressions in this world that are clearly like, okay, look, Brett, let's melt this down and forge it. Just all the metal-related expressions are very cool. I think it's really clever that they're all in there, but also I don't feel like it's too in your face to yeah. go, oh, my God, they're doing this again, they're doing this again. It's it's really cool. He does a very good job. Agreed. So is Strike While the Iron's Hot still a thing in this world? I presume it has to be. Yeah, I mean, sounds sounds like it would fit. Uh, so he's like, look, let's let's make a deal. You let me question some of them, then we'll stop the transfer request. You can prosecute, and we get to keep looking for the boss. And apparently the boss is the real prize. In this city, getting somebody that big could mean glory, promotions, <laughs> maybe an invitation to join the upper crust, like the Lord late Lord Peterus had him, himself done when he caught the Copper Strangler, which is apparently a guy who went around strangling people with copper wire. So I guess that, the name makes sense. Mm, why not? So I think Mar- Marisai mentions him later. I think they specifically say he strangled women, so I'm just like, ah, oh, so this is your Jack the Ripper. Right, yeah, except he got caught by Lord Pateras. Before he was a lord, I guess he was just like a captain or whatever back then. But see, I, I like that guy even a little bit better now, and uh, he got shot in the head, so that's that's unfortunate. And so uh, they agree that Wayne can question two of the prisoners for ten minutes, and somebody in the seventh octant constabulary is going to be mad when they're like, oh no, you've ceded your rights to transfer, We we had a deal. Yeah, I hope that blows up somehow. That's going to be hilarious. <laughs> it's like, no, this guy came. Uh, Guffin Trunchant or something. They're like, yeah, we have no idea who that is. You're full of shit. None of them have said anything so far. Wayne recognizes the first guy they bring out. who He'd broken his arm with a dueling cane. And he's like, downright rude, trying to shoot me like that. When a fellow pulls out a dueling cane, you should respond with your own. Or at least a knife. Trying to shoot Wayne was like bringing dice to a card game. What was the world coming to? <laughs> Wayne, I think I just, you need to step back a bit, buddy. Right? I, I love that direction. It's like, how rude. And so he goes in to question this guy, and he starts uh, he starts kind of whispering 
things here and there. He, he switches accents to the an accent the bandits had been using. A cup of canal worker for authenticity. Healthy dose of bartender for trust. And the rest, sixth octant north side, where most of them sounded like they came from. So he claims that he killed a cop, took this uniform, all to get, get you guys out of here. It's like, oh no, don't do that. Don't look eager now. That'll make him suspicious. Damn it, you're going to have to spit on me again. Just And so he basically maneuvers this guy into giving him a little bit of information. Tarson's not the boss. He just hits stuff. He's like, who recruited you? Clamps does all the recruitment. You should know that. Okay. Now let's just pause for a second here. The listeners know how much we love Futurama. So how many of them, knowing there's a character called Clamps who works with the bad guys in this book, were waiting for us to just go, oh, gotta kill the Clamps! Clamp, clamp, kabamp! Can I do my Clamps? Not yet. Not yet, Clamps. Oh. Yeah, now I, I, Shut I, up, Francis. <laughs> Your name want, is Francis? I want the boss to be the robot Don now. <laughs> it's like, it's like, I, could, like, I don't care. When this guy shows up, there is no way I'll be able to take him seriously. <laughs> I'll just be like, uh, can I give him the clamps now? Joey Mousepad. I was about to say, does that make Tarson Joey Mousepad? Sure. Oh, Miles is the Donbot? Yeah, assuming that it is Miles, then yeah, I guess he's going to be the Donbot. <laughs> make him an off. Uh, Are you trying to steal from the Don? I'm trying, but he's not making it either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so happy when finally they announced he was coming back for the next yeah. uh, Futurama round. Hopefully the episodes will be good. Yeah, who's putting it on? Is it? It's Hulu, apparently. Hulu? Yeah. Okay. That's got to be better than Comedy Central. Gosh, that was awful. I'm hoping. I mean, there was some uh, okay stuff in the Comedy Central episodes, but I didn't like them as much overall. I, 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 I still like the Comedy Central episodes. Like, there are some mis- there are some big misfires in them, but there are some gold ones, I think. Yeah, I, I, I guess somebody would have to sift through them. Maybe if, if maybe if I got Dax recommendations on which ones were good, I, I could go watch those. There's just so I will I, absolutely I, do that. Yeah, do that because I was just so disappointed in what I saw of, I, of what I saw. I saw yeah. a bunch of those episodes, and there's only. Looking back now, there's only a couple of moments that I can pick out and remember clearly. One is the ghost horse marriage joke, which <laughs> I have used multiple times. It's like, oh, I got a legalized ghost horse marriage. And uh, the other one is that two headed goat filling the pool oh, with yeah, vomit Chunks. from oh. both ends. And I, I it, it makes it still makes me sick thinking yeah, about yeah. it right now. It's pretty so, gross. Yeah, yeah. Th- <laughs> and those those two episodes are among the ones I would say aren't as good. Uh, I hate that. Game. Um, but yeah, no, like some of my favorite moments are from the Comedy Central like episodes. I mean, Jamie and I still laugh every time we think about Zoidberg singing harmonies with himself in one of the very few Hermes-centric oh, episodes. Oh yeah, brilliant. <laughs> very brilliant. Yep. He's like he's singing along to the tune of Monster Mash, and so he's doing the wow harmony together. <laughs> and Amy's pointing out, it's like, how is he doing that? Everyone's like, just lighten up, Amy. <laughs> oh, Amy. Uh, okay. Okay. Sorry. We'll we'll back off to drama a little bit, but we can't promise Clamps is not going to make multiple appearances. Right. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, Clamps it's coming. Is, yeah, it's coming. You guys just get used to it. You should be used to it by this point. I mean, come on. Right. Yeah. And Breton's like, "Why are you whispering so much? You said we could listen." He's like, "Well, yeah, I said you could listen. I didn't say that you'd hear anything." Oh, got him. But uh, he 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 gets from the guy, the one guy that uh, he's worried might talk. He's like, "Oh yeah, so and so is the new guy." And so Wayne's like, okay, I want to pick the next person I interviews. And so he goes for so-and-so, the new kid, and he's going to turn on the – he turns on his speed bubble. And he's like, don't move or else they'll see. He's like, okay, so Clamp sent me. I'm working on a way to get you out of here. Be still. Don't move. 
because if you move, they will notice that like we're in this speed, sped up state. If you don't, then they won't be able to tell necessarily. And so he tricks this kid into he's like, so which of our uh, which of our bases were you at? Like, oh, I only knew about one base. Yeah, the boss only shows one to the new kids just in case they get caught. It's like, oh, well, I was at the old foundry over in Longard. I thought we were the only ones. He's like, yeah, that's the idea. And so he, he he tricks several bits of information out of him. He gets confirmation about, you know, Clamps is the recruiter. And uh, eventually he's like, okay, look, let me just uh, give you some advice here. Get out of this robbing people business. You're not good at it. I've just tricked you into, like, revealing this information. And like, don't worry. I mean, I'm on your side, remember, but you're just lucky. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to wait until evening so we can go back and get everything cleared out at that one place you know. And then just tell the cops everything you know. You don't know enough to hurt us, so... Make sure you get you get a solicitor in here and get them to guarantee you immunity or to let you go free in return for your information. He's like, and then get out of the city. Go out to the roughs, be a mill worker. Nobody will care there. Just stay out of crime. You're going to get someone killed. And the kid's just like, oh, my gosh, thank you. Yeah, that's, it's, it's a really nice moment because Wayne doesn't have to do any of this. Right. Like, but he's genuinely trying to help the kid out. And the kid will never know the truth behind everything. So, like... You know, under, under all his bluster, Wayne is a good bloke. Well, and I he's, you now. Yeah. I was like, now knowing a bit more about Wayne's backstory, you can sort of see why he wanted to help the kid. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. We know now he's been in that basically the same position before where he got in uh, over his head criming and apparently Wax got him out. So, you know, pay it forward a little bit. And so then he's like, OK, just resist everything I say from now on. It's like, you talk or I'll have your toes. And uh, just make gives a show of it for about five minutes, arguing back and forth before storming out. And then uh, I like Breton's like, I'll be dead and buried before these men talk. And Wayne's like, man, if only we were so lucky. Because th- Breton's the same guy who yelled at Wax earlier, if I'm remembering right. So we don't like him. Yes, he was. And Captain then Twi- uh, Captain Twat Baskets. Yeah. And then Wayne's like, hey, I think the scones are here. Excellent. At least this trip won't be a complete waste. I agree. That's a really fun chapter where we get into Wayne's head. And actually, when you look, if you read a little closer, it's interesting to see, like, the changes in his own perception. Like, he starts off when he arrives talking about, like, oh, the Connors are wearing these uncomfortable hats. And then as he slips more into character, he starts thinking about them as constables in his, like, internal monologue instead of Connors. And so he's – and I I love the bit where I kind of skipped over it, but he's he's thinking to himself, here I am, 25 years as a constable and still only a three-bar. I should have been promoted ages ago. So he really gets deep into these characters. He's a little method, maybe. He's method. <laughs> the method actor. <laughs> so we can get, uh, we can get what's his name, Batman to play him. Uh, Pattinson? No, no, Nolan. Batman. Christian Bale is who yeah, he's talking Christian about. Bale. Oh right, yeah. The the method actor. Yeah. No, I I hear method actor and I go to Daniel Day Lewis. I'm like, I think. No, that yeah, that makes also sense. Also, probably a bit old for the role. Maybe he can be wax. Or Tillam. Just throw him in the still <laughs> The evil butler. Hunting quail, that's all. Oh, so the words of founding, we're, we're, we're back to wax and Marisai now. The words of founding include a reference to two more metals and their alloys. But the ancients believed in 16 metals, and the law of 16 holds so strongly in nature that it can't be disregarded. And you remember that uh, Preservation told us that he built 16 into, like, the foundation of the world, basically, as a signal. So apparently it's uh, in the science of this, it's, you see it in nature a lot on this planet is 16. And so they're wondering about these because if you they know or at least had, had known of adium 
and the alloy of uh, molladium or whatever it was. So add four more metals and we're up to like 18 now. And they're like, but 16 is, they thought 16 is so much. And that's because addium doesn't fit with the, the oh. or normal. I was going to say, I was because um, addium and loracium are not natural metals. Yeah, right. right? Yeah. Yep. But I guess they they still don't seem to quite understand that. And Marisai's like, oh, you're a philosopher. Which this didn't sound like philosophy to me. Because he says, either harmony changed the way allomancy itself works, or we never really understood it. And that that seems sciencey to me. I don't know why she's like, oh, a philosopher, huh? But whatever. And he's he's like, yeah, law keeping and philosophy are actually pretty similar. And then she he wants to know what got her into studying law. And they have uh, they have a whole discussion about the like the nature of good and evil. And she has her her metaphor about the world being all one brightness, so that suddenly a light that was right, way brighter or an area that was way darker would stand out significantly either way. And so. In our world, most people are maybe average good slash evil. So these really good people or these really evil people draw her attention. Why is it that in one instance, a man raised in a basically good family, surrounded by basically good friends with good employment and satisfactory means, starts strangling women with copper wires and sinking their bodies into the canals? With how much this guy gets mentioned all of a sudden over these couple of chapters, I'm like, is this going to be a Driot Crushthroat situation where it turns out to be someone we've known all along? That would be funny. It said that is, what the, the is Captain, Captain Brett the copper strangler. <laughs> it's gonna. I I don't know that it says he was executed. It just said that he was captured. So yeah, he could be. He could have been arrested and be hanging out somewhere if they yeah. if if what's his name actually caught the right one even. True. And Wack is trying to explain. It's like, look, I'm not really that heroic uh, as you're making me out to be. And she's like, well, I'm certain it doesn't look that way to you. It's like, did you ever you ever heard of the first guy I brought in? And she blushes and she's like, yeah, let let's just say I've heard of it. Yeah. Parrot the Black, rapist and a pewter arm. He walked into this lawkeeper station, looked at the board, ripped his picture off, took it with you, and came back three days later with him over the saddle of your horse. Of all the men, you picked the most difficult and the most dangerous. And Wax is like, yeah, he was worth the most money. I looked I looked at that board, and I thought to myself, well, any of these blokes is right likely to kill me, so I might as well pick the one who's worth the most. I hadn't eaten anything in three days but jerky and a few beans. And he's like, then there was Taraco. And she's like, oh, yeah, one of the greatest bandits of our era. And he's like, yeah, we he just robbed a cobbler a few days before, and I thought maybe if I captured him, I might get some free boots out of it. Uh, and he's just like, you don't look disappointed. And she's like, oh, all this just makes it more interesting and more real. I need to write this stuff down. And he's like, so, I mean, you want to become one of these heroes? And she's like, no, no. He's like, you can do it. I mean, society might tell you that uh, you can't do stuff because you're a woman, but once you head out there, nobody gives a crap. Don't forget the Ascendant Warrior herself was a woman. And I don't know why, but I love the exchange. Can I admit something to you? And he's like, only if it's salacious, personal, or embarrassing. Like, this is, once again, him, like, not being, like, that serious guy that we were seeing earlier. He's yeah, he's just, he's, yeah, he's an excitable guy when he's with his friends. Mm-hmm. She says, I, do you realize I can send for terrace food at any hour of the night and have it delivered? I don't know what terrace food is, but that just sounds cool. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, that sounds delicious. He's like, incredible. He hadn't realized that was possible. We have Uber Eats. What, you can do that? <laughs> Wait, I can eat on the toilet and nobody's going to judge me? <laughs> I'm going to judge you. Sorry. I'm sure that Tillorm is going to judge him for that. Oh, yeah. Because you know that you know that Tillorm is cleaning up that plate and just going, oh, 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 why? <laughs> that's actually why Tillorm did what he did. Yep, that's, that's what it was. <laughs> Too many plates in the shitter. 
Wax has let Wayne stay at his house for one night and Tom's like, I've already had enough. I can't, <laughs> I can't take it anymore. Uh, but I, I like Marissa is she's like, look, I'm interested in the stuff, but I don't mix well with dirt and grime and lack of personal hygiene. I don't have a problem letting men be the one to put on the revolvers and shoot people. Is, is, I mean, does that make me a traitor to my sex? And he goes, oh, I don't think so, but you are pretty good at shooting things. And she says, well, shooting things is okay. But uh, but people, no. I, I just like the Ascendant Warrior is the model for self-actualized women. They have classes on it. Her legacy is written into the law. So I, I do like that, that this society venerates her so much that it's like, no, women are 100% equal right from the beginning of our new society because otherwise Vin would come back from the dead and kick our asses probably. Yeah. But she wants to take a different approach. She's like, I'm studying law because I have these ideas about how to improve things. And she shows him, she's like, look, here's like some some statistics I'm putting together about like the stuff that makes crime go down the most. Adding more constables, hanging more criminals, that sort of stuff is like medium efficiency. What has worked best is like, here's this case, renovation, where this Lord Joshin himself, whoever that is, purchased this land in a less reputable area. And cleaned it up, made it nice, and suddenly people weren't committing crimes anymore. Gentrification. Well, that implies that you're kind of like kicking the old people out and like nicer people are moving in. She says that it's the same people. It's just the place is nice, and so uh, they don't commit crimes as much. Oh, now that the floor's clean, I don't want to get blood on it. (laughs) Just as a hot day can make a person irritable, it appears that a rundown area can make an ordinary man into a criminal. Oh, and, and then uh, Wax pulls out his watch, and she's like, oh, right, yeah, we shouldn't just be chatting about, like, the philosophy of uh, of crime and uh, human nature. We're supposed to be rescuing Steris. And Wax is like, well, we can't do anything until Wayne gets back. He really should be back by now. And Wayne's like, yep, right here. You two seem like you were having some kind of smart people moment, and I didn't want to interfere. Wise of you, your stupidity can be infectious. Don't use your fancy words around me, son. This, I love, the, I love their, uh, the way they play off each other. And you're right. Marisai uh, kind of gets in on it before the end of these chapters, and so the three of them have a really good uh, like dynamic going. I got some scones, and the Dirty Connors even paid for them. Wayne, we're Dirty Connors. Not no more. Now we're independent citizens with a mind towards civic duty and eating the scones of Dirty Connors. I do like, they were a lawman professionally for who knows how many years at this point, but he is very happy to instantly be like, no, no, I'm not one of them anymore. Those are dirty cops. I'm just like a normal dude now. And Marisai's like, those don't sound appetizing when described that way. He's like, no, no, they're good. I brought you some. Uh, do you have any sugar? Sugar? Sure. Here you go, Homer. <laughs> Sorry, it's not in packets. Do you want, <laughs> you want some any cream? cream? Um, no. no. <laughs> uh, Hank Scorpio. I love Hank Scorpio so much. Like He reaches in and he, there's chains jiggling in his pockets. And he's like, okay, here's two handfuls of sugar. <laughs> and he reaches back into his pockets when he asks about the cream. So <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh, okay. Yeah, no. <laughs> maybe, maybe it was cream packets. Maybe this time, maybe it wasn't packets that time. Well, we'll never know. I think Homer was wise to say no. I, want, I just want a Hank Scorpio TV show. And I always have that. The character is amazing. Yeah, he's he's like easily the best one shot Simpsons character. Yeah, absolutely. But Wayne's like, I found the location of the Vanisher's hideout, along with the name of their recruiter. And Mayor says, like, how on earth? Whiskey and magic. In other words, Wayne did a lot of fast talking. Nice work. I really hope Brandon has put whiskey and magic on a shirt. <laughs> right. That'd be. Yeah, I like it. Uh, and 
he's like, did you get it without the constables hearing? And Wayne's just like, come on, what do you think? And Maris is like, we should probably tell the constables. And Wax like, no, we'll we'll drop them an anonymous tip once I've seen the place. And Wayne's like, no, you don't need to. I set a fuse for nightfall. And Wax is like, nice. You can show your appreciation with a big fat nugget of rare and expensive metal. So he's topped off on Bendeloy again. That's good. But as he goes over to the desk with all the stuff on it, he's Wayne's like, I'm not I'm not reaching in there. Um, I like my fingers. And Wax says, it's not going to explode, Wayne. He's like, well, yeah, you said that. That happened once. Do you know how annoying it is to regrow fingers? I'm just saying the most innocent-looking things have a tendency to explode around you. A blow cast, be cautious. Which Foreshadowing. Wax, yeah, 100% foreshadowing. Wax is offended by this, but, uh, you know. And that's when Talam walks in. Maris is like, hey, we can take my carriage. He's got a basket in one hand, a tray of tea in the other. He starts pouring the tea. And as he's bringing the cup, the single cup over to Wax on a little tray, Wayne plucks it. And Talam tries to pull it away. And Wayne's like, man, this is great. Why didn't you ever get me one of these chaps back in weathering? The butler scowls at him and then hurries back to prepare another cup. And this is when Wax is like, I still understand why they were trying to take Marisai. Like, there were better targets at the party. And then he looks at her and he's thinking about it. And he's like, oh, okay, you're illegitimate then. Stares his half-sister by Lord Harms, I assume. Which really was very insensitive. And even, like, Wayne is not a sensitive guy, but he's like, really, Wax? Usually I wait to call someone a bastard until the second date. Third if she's pretty. And they have a whole thing where Wayne, Wax is like, I'm actually, I'm sorry. That was insensitive. And Marissa is like, no, I mean, you know, it's what I am. I've gotten used to it. But it does uh, shed some light for Wax on, A, why they suddenly got very uncomfortable during uh, Lord Harms and Marissa during this uh, the mistress part of the discussion. And why Steris included a mistress uh, section of the contract. It's like she's used to uh, the Lord of the House not being faithful. And so as Wax is trying to apologize and Marissa is like, no, it's fine, really. Wayne's like, huh, tea's poisoned and falls over. <laughs> Done that beat all. Right. And uh, Marissa gasps, but Wax, being used to uh, crazy shit happening, looks over at Salam. And is readies himself just as the butler turns around and levels a pistol. He talked about that one metal button that he keeps on his vest earlier, and he uses it here to attack Tillon. Just in time to make the shot go wild, because both the gun and the bullet were aluminum. So he definitely seems to be with the same crew who had the aluminum guns earlier. Or else that's a very strange coincidence, given that Wax had never seen a gun like that before then. I mean, Wax, Wax had the gun in his possession, right? That he took, that Wayne took from. That's the true. Yeah. It, it's entirely possible that Tillorm has just found it and stolen it. Gun. Mm, I hadn't even thought of that. That's a really good point. I don't know how likely it is, but it's possible. Right. And uh, Tillorm starts like crawling away. He's horribly injured now from taking this this metal button to the chest. Mm-hmm. And Wax starts to ignore him. He goes to Wayne. Like Wayne, are you okay? Poison. I hate poison. Worse than losing a finger. And Marisai is alarmed. He's like, Lord Waxillium. And he's like, no, Wayne's going to be fine. It's all good. Not talking about him. The butler. And Tillon was fiddling with the basket that he brought, reached a bloodied hand in, pulled on something. And Wayne and Wax is like, Wayne, bubble now. And that's when the basket erupts in a ball of fire and freezes. And Wayne is, I warned you. I said things are always blowing up around you. I refuse to take responsibility for this one. And Wayne's like, he's your butler. That, that's a fair point, I feel like. <laughs> And Wayne, you are always a dick to him. So <laughs> <laughs> this is really your fault when you think about it, Wayne. Sorry. And 
this is a really interesting bit to me because they're so used to being in like horrible danger that wax and Wayne immediately start like just a very calm discussion about how to get out of this situation while Marisai is staring at the explosion and she keeps going, it's getting bigger. Wayne's like, damn, that's a big one. Shall we go out the windows then? Like now nah, that blast is going to be hard to outrun. And so they have a discussion where Wayne's trying to be like, no, you can just push down the wall. And Wax is like, I can't push down that wall. You know how heavy that wall is? It's brick and stone and it's well made. I would just throw myself into the explosion. And Marisai's just like, gentlemen, it's getting bigger. It's getting really, really close. Wayne's like, just make yourself heavier. He's like, heavy enough that I can rip the building off, the wall off a building? The floor would never be able to take it. It would, uh, plan. So as the explosion gets very, very close, and I really do wonder, like, how this would work exactly. Like, because the piece of explosion that hits the bubble would go really fast before, like, the next little bit of explosion gets there, right? So... The first bit of heat would dissipate really quickly before the next bit of heat arrives dissipate really quickly inside the bubble. So I don't know how badly well, they would be hurt. The bubble, the bubble doesn't move, but people can move in and out of the bubble. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, right. And I, I don't know how the explosion would interact with it. There, there have been questions asked about stuff going partly in and partly out of a speed bubble, and Brandon has basically said that you can't. A thing can't be partly in and partly out. It's either in or it's out. And that depends on, to some extent, like how the object perceives itself or its center of mass. And if that's inside, then the whole thing is inside as far as the effect of the bubble is concerned. But I don't know how that works in like regular terms. Like if you shove half of a stick in there and it's not considered all the way in the bubble, does that mean that it's moving really slow from your perspective as it shoves into the bubble at you? I don't, I don't know. Uh, didn't he already say like don't even get like don't yeah. even get me started on the physics of the bubble? It doesn't right. doesn't make yeah. a lot of sense. Yep. So that's why I'm just like I want to get too much into it. But it as the explosion is approaching them in the bubble, it does make me wonder like how how would the bubble mm-hmm. affect how powerful the explosion is on them? This is where Bruce Willis from Lupus shows up and says, "Don't think about it too hard." <laughs> <laughs> I uh, this is this is um, maybe we want to save this for the end. But do we want to talk about the kickstarter thing oh yeah um uh yeah let's let's get into that at the end that's a good point i'd kind of forgotten about that okay uh so wax and wayne know what the plan is without having to discuss it anymore now they both thought of this but mirasai's like what are we doing and wax is laying down on the floor and like grabs her and pulls her on himself he's like just hold on and he makes himself so heavy that he breaks through the floor and falls to the floor below with mirasai on top of him and at the last moment, as he's falling, he tries to, like, make himself light and push down against the nails or whatever in the floor so that they don't smash into it. But, uh, yeah. And then something when drops down land, and falls on them. Right. When they land, she's like, is that a thick book or are you just happy to see me? That's not a good joke, I guess. We haven't had a lot of thick book discussion <laughs> this one, so that's fair. <laughs> I laughed, but I was muted. <laughs> <laughs> I, ha- I had a mouthful of Sprite. Sorry. <laughs> Oh, Which is now all over the floor, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> I, I'm, gl- I'm just glad it's not on the computer. Yep, good call. But Wayne falls down after them and protects them from some of the flash of the explosion, even though they're on the bottom floor, like, that comes down through the hole, basically. And as they get up, Wax is like, no, Wayne, Wayne. He'd used a lot of his health the previous night. He said he only had enough left for one bullet wound. But he can feel a pulse, and as he watches, like, these horrible wounds on his back start to close. But... He says that a blood maker 
as he's as they're using healing, they have to use less of it if they extend the healing over a longer period of time. So Wayne's not going to heal it all instantly. He's going to let it work a little more slowly. That way, uh, he's not using up as much. And he's like, uh, "Marissa, are you okay?" And she's once again, this is uh, going back to her when she's in shock. She starts jumping back to statistics or whatever. She's like, two and three sufferers of great trauma are, un- are unable to correctly identify their own injuries as a result of stress." And so he kind of feels around, makes sure that makes sure that nothing is broken on her. It's like, okay, you're you're fine. As Wayne gets up, he's like, "Is it bad?" And Wax says, "She'll pull through." He's like, "No, I mean the duster, because his coat has been like horribly, uh, pretty much destroyed." And Wax says, "Well, you're gonna need a really big patch this time." I told you, innocent things are always exploding around you, Wax. At least you kept your fingers this time. Yeah, well, we were so focused on the physics of uh, his time bubbles. I'm just like, man, the physics of blood making seem all, like equally messed up. Mm. It's like, oh, let me let me just. Um you know, expend all the health I've saved up to regrow a limb. Yep, that's a hell and of a it, thing. Or else, as we see, like, in a second, just ripping all the skin off his back. Uh, yeah, that's... Uh, Wayne's like, do you mind? And Wax's like, uh, Marisol, you might want to turn away. And she just keeps looking, and he rips off this layer of old burned skin, mm. which is apparently necessary because new skin is grown underneath, and you can't fully heal until... He gets rid of the old stuff. And Marissa's like, oh, Lord of Harmony. I have seen I'm some gross sick. stuff. Yeah? Yeah, I have seen some gross stuff. But that is, that, that churned my stomach. Oh. Yeah, yeah, not good. And Wax is like, I warned you. Which, that's fair. She's like, well, I didn't know you were going to do that. I'm like, he, he warned you. You might want to look away. You shouldn't have assumed. That's your fault. <laughs> I didn't know you were going to do that. No one knew he was going to pull his skin <laughs> off like he's pulling a tablecloth off a table. Yeah, except for Wax and Wayne. They knew that. <laughs> Not helpful. Ugh. But yes, that's horrifying. The fact that he's like, do you mind? It just makes me think like, oh, he's done this before. Yep, and clearly they've done this before. <laughs> Did uh... he have to pull off the old burnt fingers so he could regrow them? Ooh, who knows? I didn't want to think about that. Like, you have to rip that <laughs> off. Oh, no. <laughs> but like, Wayne is now shirtless. He's apparently very lean and muscly. And has his gold metal mines bracers on his ar- upper arms. Fortunately, uh, his trousers, while slightly singed, were mostly intact, so that's good. Now they owe me a hat and a duster. And uh, Impala. <laughs> and uh, they're like, okay, you, you guys sneak out, and I'll meet you. Well, I'm just going to check for the rest of the uh, the house staff. And Mary says, like, why are we sneaking? And Wayne explains, well, I mean, whoever did that, hi- whoever hired the guy, is going to think we're dead now. So that'll give us an advantage. We'll have a couple hours that they don't know that uh, we're still kicking and moving around. Yeah. As Chris Rock said in Dogma, if your enemy knows where you are, then don't be there. <laughs> I don't know. That was the best decision in that case, actually. The, the train was a faster way to get where they were going. but It's true. But, uh, you know, for the story, it makes it worked. So the coachman Kent is standing with his hands on his head, looking at the burning building like, oh, no. He finds Limmy and Miss Grimes unconscious but alive, and nobody else. It's like, I guess Tillam, like, sent, he was in charge of the household staff. He must have sent everybody away, everybody that he, that he could reasonably get rid of. And this is where he's thinking. He's like, it seems really unlikely the bandits could have, since last night, bribed Tillam to try to kill me. How would they even know, have known that the butler would be open to bribes? There's other better choices on the household staff, more likely to be open to that kind of thing. And Talam has been trying to discourage him this whole time. 
So whoever it was, the butler's been working for them for a while, and that means they were watching Wax all along, and that's the end of that chapter. It was Agatha all along. <laughs> and so as they're they're riding in a carriage, Marisai's thinking we it's a Marisai perspective, I guess. She's thinking about the university and things that she's done there. Meanwhile, Wax is contemplating things, and Wayne appears to be taking a nap. He'd found a hat somewhere, a flimsy cap of the type broadsheet boys like to wear. So, so it's at some point between fleeing the mansion and getting into the carriage, Wayne pulled this hat from who knows where. <laughs> he, uh, you know, he took it from a broadsheet boy. He's like, I'll trade you this paper for your hat. That's my paper. Yeah, <laughs> but I'll trade you. And Wayne is, uh, he's napping because, I don't know if, it men- if she actually mentions it, but he's working on recharging some of his health that he's just spent, so... And Marisai's thinking to herself, this is what you wanted. You're the one who insisted Lord Harms bring you to meet Wax. So you put yourself in here. And she's just disappointed that she's not made a very good showing so far. I really like the end of this paragraph where she's like, she starts to sigh. And then she's like, no, no sulking. That would only make things worse. She's got to move forward. I like that a lot. Even if she's being very overly critical of herself here. She's like, oh, I'm just this useless girl that they're having to drag around. So apparently the words of founding that uh, Say's left behind had included the drawing and plans for the city of Ellendale, though the name had been chosen by the Lord Mistborn. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, Spookville ain't exactly a great name. <laughs> I don't know. Might have been yeah, good. neither is neither is Lestaborneville or whatever. <laughs> Lestaborn City. I definitely thought Spookville when I was like, Lord Mistborn. I was like, oh, well, he could have gone in that direction. I'm glad he didn't. Spookville one population, spook. you. there's a large round park at the center where flowers bloom year round and the canals radiate out the streets were originally laid out per the plans wider than anyone would have once assumed they'd need and yet now they seem almost insufficient so see says was thinking way ahead knowing that maybe maybe even knowing that cars would be coming out at some point it was like okay we're gonna give them wide streets to start with as they approach the field of rebirth you can see the mare will flowers Cute. Name, yep. Uh, according to the annotations, Spook, the Lord Mistborn, named them after Kelsier's wife. He was actually in charge of naming a lot of things, such as the months of the year. And again, I have to wonder how much of this was Spook and how much of this was that voice of Kelsier in his ear just going, it's like, if you don't name these flowers after my wife, I will haunt your ass. Like, you're already yeah, haunting it's me. Like, I'll ne- <laughs> it's like, if you don't name these after my wife, I will never be friends with you again <laughs> the statues of the last emperor and the ascendant warrior dominate the top capping their tomb so vin and elland have a tomb there i like I, I love those names for them the last emperor and the ascendant warrior those are awesome names <laughs> last of two yeah i mean there might have been quote unquote emperors before the lord ruler took over everything of like various factions who knows i guess there's a museum there with relics from the world of Ash that have been saved by the originators. Also, the world of Ash is a cool thing to call uh, the Final Empire world. Those who had been nurtured in the wombs of the earth and reborn to build society. Okay, that's getting a little bit flowery. <laughs> they were birthed in the womb of the earth and came <laughs> up to rule society. They are the people of Ash. And Marisai is also thinking about the bomb that, uh, that just almost killed them. And she's like, uh, Lord Wixillen, how did your uncle die? Apparently his uncle, the uncle's wife, and Wax's sister were all riding in a carriage. His cousin had just recently died. 
And so they were all going on a trip to ease their grief. Horse bolted, the hitching snapped, and the carriage went off a cliff. And he feels kind of bad. He's like, I feel kind of guilty. Like, I should be more crushed to lose them. But I hadn't seen any of them in years. And Wayne's like, I think the story involves enough crushed people already. <laughs> Very sensitive. You ass. And Marisai kicks him. He's like, be respectful of the dead. Already she starts ordering me around. Women. <laughs> Watch yourself, Wayne. Right. So he's thinking he wrote it off as uh, nothing, you know, no foul play in that uh, particular death. And now maybe he needs to rethink that. And she's like, but why would they kill your uncle? Wouldn't they shouldn't they be worried about bringing you into town, removing your uncle and accidentally putting Waxillium Dawn shot onto them? And Wayne is offended by uh, this nickname. Waxillium Dawn shot. She's like, I'm sorry. That's what the reports calling. That's what they should call me. I'm the one who likes a good shot of whiskey in the morning. Morning to you is well past noon, Wayne. I doubt you've ever seen the dawn. That's right, unfair. See it all the time when I stay up too late. Wayne wants to go see Renette. And Wax is like, we're not going to see Renette. I don't even know where she lives. And he's like, oh, she lives over in the third octant. Red brick house, two stories. That's not stalkerish at all. Yeah. And Mara says, like, who? And Wax is like, nobody. Don't worry about it. How are you with a pistol? And she's like, not good. The targeting club uses rifles. And then he gives her some advice on how to shoot a pistol after handing her one. Eight out of ten constables firing a handgun at a criminal ten feet away miss. And Wax is like, oh, I guess Wayne doesn't need to feel so bad. I once saw him try to shoot someone three paces away and hit the wall behind him, behind himself. And Wayne's like, it's not my fault. Bullets are devious buggers. They shouldn't be allowed to bounce. Metal don't bounce, and that's true as titanium. (laughs) Oh, Wayne. So they get to this place where the vanishers were hiding out, and Wax is pretty sure it's going to be empty. But she's like, you stay here just in case while we check the place out. And eventually they open the door. And Wax is like, we found two tripwires rigged with explosives. Nothing else dangerous except for Wayne's body odor. And then they, they have a nice back. And I just love their relationship. Their insults going back and forth. They just rib each other all the time. And it's like, <laughs> have you ever said a nice word to each other? <laughs> Probably not. Oh, guy friendships. Everyone hates everyone. Um, oh, no. But these two clearly love each other. It's really cute. Like, as, as Wax is walking away, Wayne's like, man, it's really good to see him, like, feeling like his old self. They find evidence that uh, this is where the aluminum weapons or bullets may have been forged and that these people were hiding something based on having apparently intentionally blacked out the windows so no one would see in. And there's a door out to, like, the canal that swings open pretty or opens pretty easily for moving freight off and on of ships. So, like, maybe they were moving something after they stole them via the canals. And then uh, Wayne is like, you wait down here, and he's going to go check out the sleeping area upstairs. And while Marisai is thinking, she realizes he's been gone kind of a while, and she goes up there. And then Wayne plays a practical joke on her where he puts on a fake voice, and he's like, I'm afraid he's dead, young lady. I'm sorry for your loss. (laughs) An aged, distinguished voice set from the darkness. He was simply too handsome, too clever, and too immensely remarkable in all aspects of his existence to allow to live. I'm afraid it took 100 men to bring him down, and he killed all but one. His last words were, tell Wax that he's a total git, and he still owes me five notes. Oh, Wayne. <laughs> he, he, they found some, he found some more explosives that they missed in their first pat, pass over the place, rigged to blow when a latch on a chest was opened. And she goes, was there anything in the chest? And he's like, yeah, explosives. Weren't you listening? <laughs> I don't know how good I feel about that they missed all of that on the first go and that she was in the building. <laughs> Like, yeah, I agree. Although I feel like they're probably, you know, checking doors and stuff the first go around uh, for the obvious things. Yeah, it's very lucky that uh, he went up there first and she did not try to open a chest. 
but they're looking around, not finding much. There's not even really many good places to hide stuff. And uh, the explosives are dynamite, used for blowing holes in rock out in the roughs. Pretty easy to get, even here in the city. They were in a cigar box, expensive brand, citizen magistrates. Very expensive. And there are some numbers scribbled in under the lid of the cigar box. We'll show it to Wax. This is the sort of thing he likes. It'll probably leads to some grand theory about how our boss smokes cigars and that'll let him pick a guy out of, <laughs> out of the crowd. He's always doing stuff like that. <laughs> he's going to decipher these numbers, you know? He's going to be like, have you ever seen that, that show with uh, David Krumholtz? And... Yeah, Numbers. We talked about that like yeah. last episode. It's called Numbers. No, this is this is Wayne talking to her. Oh, okay. <laughs> She's like, no, no, I haven't seen that one. She's and he's like, yeah, it was it was on, you know, in the like early 2000s. It was pretty good. <laughs> She's just like, what's a television? After we talked he's about like, that, you know, we got all we got them in the roughs all the time. What are you talking? I went about? and started watching some episodes of that again. It's on some streaming service. Good show. I'm watching it too. It's in our DVD player right now. <laughs> <laughs> he killed me with a, he killed me with a sword, Mal. <laughs> Where is that? Now that you say that, I think I do have the DVDs somewhere. But uh, yeah, I like that show. She's she's like, how did you guys start working together in the first place? And Wayne's like, oh, it's not in your, the report you read. And she's like, no, it's considered a bit of a mystery. And this is where we get their heart to heart. It it feels to me very much like a scene where it's just like, okay, we're gonna go ahead and throw all this exposition in here real quick so that we can get it out. But it's very interesting exposition to me at least, so I'm okay with it. It's also like really one of the only times so far that we've seen the two of them together without wax it's true if not the first time marisai's like oh it's probably a good story he's like it's probably not what you're thinking uh, i was going to be hanged by the law keeper in far dorist and she says wrongfully i assume and he's like well it depends on your definition of that word actually shot an innocent man uh was yep. it an accident yeah i only meant to rob him uh, yeah that sucks you were a criminal not a very capable one I've always had a problem not taking things. I just grab stuff, and then, you know, it's there in my fingers. That That is how grabbing stuff works, yes. <laughs> I had some friends that convinced me I should go a little further, really get hold of my destiny, they said. Get into robbing people with guns and the like. I do like the pause where he finds something in a cupboard. And she's like, clues? And he's like, no, old nudes. Probably from before the bandits even bought the place. At least it'll give the cops something fun to find. So... He goes back to his story and he's like, I panicked. I don't didn't really know what I was doing. Maybe I wanted to get caught. Didn't want to shoot him. Old dead finger caught me easy. Didn't even have to beat a confession out of me. I cried the whole time. I was just 16. Still don't know why Wax saved me. I should have hanged, you know. Killed a good man. Wasn't even rich. A bookkeeper who did charity work. Drew up letters transcribed for the mine workers who couldn't write so they could send home to their families. Found out a lot about him at the trial, you see. Got to see his kids crying and his wife. Got a letter from him a few months back. Wait, they write you letters? Yeah, send them half of what I make to keep the kids fed, you know. Figured it makes sense seeing as I killed their daddy. They still hate me. Write me letters to let me know they haven't forgiven me and that no money will bring their dad back. They're right, but they do take the money, so that's something. And she's just like, oh. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Wayne. She's like, I'm so sorry, Wayne. He's like, yeah, me too. Some mistakes you can't fix by being sorry. And on the one hand, yes, it's like, oh, that he made a little mistake as a kid, and it's like, his whole life he has to live with that at the same time it's like he killed an innocent man uh orphaned three kids it's hard to feel bad for the that murderer but we know wayne and he's not a bad guy so yeah it's it's, I mean, it's, it's a pretty big mistake to have made <sighs> no joke yeah but it's it's also a case of like he could like you have to think these people 
on one level they're probably like I ne- we never want to hear from you again like like how how dare you like leave us alone but he's he's like acknowledging i can't make this right for you but i'm going to send you the money anyway it's like he doesn't have to do that right but that's why he, he and guns don't get along well my hands start shaking when I hold one, wob- wobbling around like a damn fish dumped on the docks. Ain't that the funniest thing? I think it was nice to get that explanation because we've made comments before about him wanting to use his dueling canes and all that sort of stuff. And mm-hmm. I think it was good to just have a bit of an answer as to why he was like that. Yep. Because we're like, in this world of guns, why would you? Why would that be your weapon of choice? But, you know, he's not very good with the guns and he has a really damn good reason why. <laughs> right? Yeah, I don't blame him. But Wax shows up and he's like, hey, we're having a heart-to-heart here. Get out of Get out of here. <laughs> Wax spoke to the local beggars. The vanishers have been moving something large in and out of the building onto a canal boat on several occasions, and it sounds bigger than just cargo, some kind of machinery. What'd you found? What what'd you found? What'd you find? Found a box. <laughs> some more dynamite. <laughs> what'd you found? Yeah, what'd you found? He tells him to bring the dynamite. It might be useful. There's some nudie pictures too. They're so faded you can barely make out the good parts. Ladies ain't wearing any guns, so you probably weren't wouldn't be interested anyway. Burn. <laughs> but when Wax sees this box and the numbers, he narrows his eyes and looks at Wayne, who nods like they both know something here. Wax tosses the box back and he's like, yes, yeah, sir. Have you ever heard of Miles de, de Gouter? De, de Goute? I don't know how you say it. Sure. Miles Hundred Lives, which is way easier to say than his actual last name. So I'm going to go with it. <laughs> Lawkeeper out in the roughs. And Wax is like, yep. And also, of course she has. Yeah. She loves these stories. He's like, come on, we're going to take a trip, and I'm going to tell you a few stories, and that's the end of the chapter. Miles Hundred Lives always makes me think of uh, Millions Knives from... Uh, yeah, from... Uh, Trigun? Trigun? Trigun, yeah. Yeah, Vasha Stampede and Knives Million... Uh, yeah. And I don't know why, the, the, the names just sound kind of similar, and I guess they both involve a number, but uh, it's just what it always reminds me of. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let's do predigments. Where do you guys think this is going? And then we'll get into the Kickstarter thing after that. Honestly, I'm really not sure where this is is going. Like, they're they're digging around. Like, I think something is going to come of these numbers, but I don't know what. But I feel like that's not going to come into play for a while. That'll be something they just sort of sit on and forget for a while. And then after things have gone to hell, they think we've got no chance of solving this. And then they'll remember the numbers and they'll figure out what it actually means. Mm, Okay. But that's not going to be for a while yet. I don't know where it's going immediately. I do think this, that that woman that's in the city that they talked about and uh, Wax doesn't want to see her, like, um, she's 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 going to have to show up soon. They might have to go to her f- um, for information. Right. And I don't yeah. I don't know if you remember her from previous times when they have mentioned her. They did. Yeah. So let's see. Yeah. She was like a fellow law person. Is that what it was? Or? So the information we have, she's been mentioned. It looks like twice before this. First is when he has his his guns, his Starians in his underarm holsters, but they're too big. And it says, unfortunately, he'd never found anything as good as Renette's work. Hadn't she moved to the city though? Perhaps he could look her up and talk her into making him something, assuming she didn't shoot him on sight. Yeah. So I don't know. I think, yeah, I think they're going to go to her for information, and I feel like she must be related to Lessie somehow. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm, okay. um, because, like, yeah, he talks about, oh, you know, she'll shoot, like like you just said, she's, she'll shoot him on sight, and then he's like, no, we're not going to see her. So I get the feeling like she has resentment to him over that whole situation, whether or not she knows 
he like he's the one who shot her or he or it's just like he got her into a situation where she was killed i think mm-hmm. that'll be the that'll be the bulk of their resentment so that's yeah that'll come into play at some point but yeah that's really all i've got this time okay fair enough uh yeah so let's kind of take this case by case here um i'm predicting we're gonna find out that Tealum at some point we're gonna find out that maybe he did have something to do with the death of the uncle and the sister and i think maybe it wasn't enough that it wasn't enough that they were keeping tabs on wax they actually wanted him to be close by for a specific purpose but when he was getting too close too early they were just like well we're just gonna have to kill him or maybe Tealum was told to kill him to because whoever's behind this knew that they wouldn't be able to that Tealum wouldn't be able to do it but it would force wax into action quickly. Oh, interesting for whatever reason, it feels like they want Wax around uh, and to be interested in what they're doing, but I don't really know why. So that part is a little strange to me. The Steris, I like. I'm I'm really concerned that there's not going to be a happy ending for with Steris. Like she's she, something's going to have happened that she's going to be dead or no. or going to be un basically ungettable. So that's kind of where I feel like that's heading because they're really setting up Marisai to be his love interest. I feel like in the book. So I would, I would say that that's probably not going to spell out good news for Steris at the end of this. That would be my um, guess based on what we've read so far, as far as who's behind all this. I, I don't think we could, we would keep mentioning miles if he wasn't the one behind this or have mentioned him to begin with and um if and and i think maybe the cigar box is actually a tip-off to wax that it is miles because that's when he says after they show him the box he's like let me tell you about this guy so i feel like maybe that's kind of the tip-off to to wax like yeah this is miles so there's going to be something going forward you know, more immediately that he's going to start investigating Miles specifically into trying to find Miles specifically. So um, that's what I think is going to be happening in the immediate future. That there's a bigger portion that I'm trying to form my brain around about why Wax is important or why his family's important. I don't know if it's because he's one of the He's the from one one of the families with with lines that go back further than the beginning of mm. the new world or what, but it just seems strange that a lot of these things are centering around him when really, you know, he's just one guy. His house isn't even the most important house in the in in the current uh, political climate or atmosphere so that that also i feel like leads lends more credence to the fact that it could be miles because miles knows him from the roughs so maybe it's a personal uh, thing there yeah maybe it's a personal thing so yeah that's uh that's kind of what i got i don't i don't really know of anything else that would really inform of what what's to come uh at least not yet be a shame if if things went that badly for Steris. I mean, she's a weird weird lady. Don't get me wrong, but I don't dislike her enough to want her to you know end up dead at the end or something. Although, I guess if Lord Harms has no other children, 
then if she died, maybe Marisai would be his heir, and then maybe uh, the, if they're setting up a romance between Marisai and Wax, it makes sense. Like, he would still get the money yeah. that he needs or whatever. I mean, I don't even know if that's going to be important to him at, at the end of all this, like the well, money yeah. aspect, you know? But, uh, yeah, I mean, it definitely could be. But, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think we're a bit early to make heavy predictions yet, but it's definitely there's definitely something personal with Wax going on, whether it's like Joe thought maybe it's, you know, stems back further or whether it's just relating to Miles. I mean, just it still seems pretty big, even if it's relating to Miles. I'm really curious as to how he gets Miles' 100 lives, you know, that's and especially because we know that the guy at the the dinner vanished as well. So I'd be really interested to see what sort of powers he's got. But it, it does look like it's pointing to Miles being involved. I I think we sort of uh, I threw out Secret Bad Guy. Was that Marisai that I was like Secret Bad Guy last week? I think so. Yeah, okay. Because I still like that in some some level now because she's, you know, getting in all close and she knows all this stuff and she's going to write things down and, you know, this Tiller maybe doesn't want her around because he knows she's involved somehow mm. and now he has to go and kill Wax and he has to do it because she's there and it's all a bit, he's like, you know, get, get out of it, get out of it, don't do it, don't get into it, it's too late. Maybe he's in a bit of a situation he doesn't want to be in there. I mean, also being the illegitimate child in was it, it's a very close line to the Lord Mistborn, I think is mm-hmm. what they were using there as well. So I don't know. She's kind of she's got a bit too much information, I think, for my liking. I don't know whether it's just a, a device to deliver that information to the reader, or you know, is she a bit crazy? I don't know. Now she's got this relation to that bloodline. You know, what does that do for her? some sort of legitimacy maybe if if everyone else is out of the way in the house I don't know but I yeah I don't know I like her that's the problem she's like she's nice and I really enjoy the dynamic between Wax and Wayne and and Marisai but I don't know there's something else going on with there with her there like yeah they've uncovered the secret that she's illegitimate but I don't know I think there's something else there okay she's too clever as well she's just too good too good at what she does she's just too good I don't know that we've ever had a situation where, like, uh, a character whose head we've been in, like, has the perspective character that ended up being, like, a shady. Unless, I, I guess, if you count the, uh, what's his name, the the Gjorn from Elantris. Yeah, Raythan. But he was supposedly the bad guy from the beginning, so he wasn't, like, a secret bad guy. Well, and then he ended up being kind <laughs> yeah. of a good dude at the end. Right. So that Although would be... Yeah. was creepily attracted to <laughs> what's-her-face. So that would be really interesting and different mm-hmm. if uh, it turns out, yeah. I, I how do like you that. hide? Yeah, how do you hide part of your own internal monologue from the reader? Mm-hmm. It's a bit, a bit weird. Yeah, I don't know. That's mm-hmm. a bit of a flaw in my logic, but I guess we'll we see. will find out. We are fifty-five percent of the way through, so really downhill slopes wow. now. Yeah. Okay. Ooh. I guess let's talk about. And honestly, by the time this episode comes out, the campaign's going to be nearly over. But uh, for anyone, I can't imagine, who was not aware, Brandon Sanderson came out the week we're recording this. It'll be several weeks ago when you're hearing this. But first he came out and was like, hey, I'm going to make this announcement tomorrow. He made it sound all concerned and worrying. And then he released a video where he starts out. He's like, I'm sorry, I've been lying to you, so on and so forth. I wrote 
this secret book in the last couple of years with all the extra time I had from not traveling. And then as the video continues, he's like, actually, there were two books that I wrote in secret. Actually, there were five books that I wrote in secret. And there's a Kickstarter campaign out right now to release four of these books to people. Three of them are going to be in the Cosmere and one of them will not be. So, And since it had came out just a couple days ago, it has become the most funded ever campaign on Kickstarter. It is now at $24,100,000 as we were Jeez. And the Jeez. original goal was a million, right? Yeah. I never pay much attention to original goals because usually campaigns set them way below what they expect to get. Right. But still, I mean, that's insane. Yeah. And we're only what? There's like still 25 days left. 25 days left out of the 30. Yep. It's so. He's got a bit of a flair for the dramatic gold, Brandon, doesn't he? Yeah. Sure does. He's he's Watching a little bit video? of a prankster. And uh, <laughs> he's always liked to prank people every once in a while, which the day before when he made his first statement, a bunch of people on Reddit were like, oh, my gosh, he's got cancer or something. And then a few people are like, well, remember, Brandon is kind of a prankster. So this may be, you know, not really bad news. The most common thing was people were like, oh, I bet he, he needs to take a break for a while. He's been going really hard and nobody deserves it more. Everyone is really like he this guy deserves a break. He writes more than anybody else. He should actually take absolutely take whatever time he needs. <laughs> nope. Turns out it was uh, the opposite. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I have backed the Kickstarter campaign uh, at a way more expensive tier than I probably should have. But I couldn't help myself. <laughs> I also backed the campaign at just the hard cover tier because i just wanted the books i don't care about the swag and i wanted the art i i originally was like really tempted to just do the ebooks because i read mostly an ebook now anyway and i was like i'm just doing the cheapest the cheapest tier the 40 dollar get the four ebooks honestly that price is pretty good ebooks are often more expensive than that uh, when they're you know big name writer books mm -hmm. and i clicked on that to buy it before i talked myself into a more expensive one <laughs> <laughs> so we haven't done it yet but i'm sure that we will well, I'm looking at it now, and it says like, um, because like, if we if we do it, I would want to get the book, like like the like the actual hard the hardcover with the art. Yeah. That's what I that's but the one it, I went for. International shipping is insane. Yeah, yeah well, it's pretty high. that's it. It's and it says it ships only certain countries. So I'd need to research and see is it actually going to ship here or not. Uh, let's see here. It says. We unfortunately cannot ship everywhere. Currently, these are the countries we can ship to, and Australia is listed as one of the possibilities they can ship to. Okay, so that's cool. I was going to say, Australia would be a pretty big, big one I would to think, get rid yeah. of. I would, uh, yeah, I would, assume, I would assume so as well, but who knows. He, he has said that he's not sure if the books will be available in hardcover editions in the future. But he certainly said they won't have the same artwork. Yeah, it are. won't have the, it won't be the same yeah. uh, like with full color artwork and stuff. And so it says while regular hardcover and paperback editions with the traditional publisher are possible sometime in the future. After this campaign is fulfilled, the premium versions will not be available again, which is yep. one also why I, I ended up going for the books, the hardcovers. I was like, Ugh. but at the same time, I was like, these are books we're going to have to read on the yeah. show so we're gonna need to get Dak and jamie then so i wasn't gonna oh. make you guys back them if you weren't interested but i was like we may have to do ebooks or something or wait for a paperback version oh, no. I, i'm 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 happy to no we uh, think we'll get them yeah we'll, yeah we'll, 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 we'll get them just looking at the cost and so that's 160 us dollars for four and books then that's... i don't know what y'all's international shipping was i think the shipping for me in the u.s added another 40 okay that's all right there's two of us though 
that's yeah because they're gonna they're gonna ship them i guess once a quarter which is why they have to pay the separate shipping every time i think which yeah. is why shipping's yeah. yeah yeah it says for the just the four books internationally it adds 140 dollars shipping Woo! so that's like double almost the price that's kind of nuts yeah yeah so it's yeah it's all right so for the books itself it's like it's us 160 dollars that's 218 dollars australian so mm. yeah we'll we'll figure it out yeah yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get a version of them somehow yeah yeah definitely but the the yeah. ebooks will definitely be available later which is why i was just like you know if we have to do them then we'll i'll we may have to figure out an ebook thing and we'll uh because that's the only one that yeah Absolutely, for sure, will be available later on. So, but anyway, we can we'll, we'll figure that out. Nice. What do you guys think about this craziness? I was pretty shocked. I mean, I I, uh, I started watching the video at work, and then when I realized that he was just kind of going, I was like, oh, I better wait and watch this later. And when he pulled out the new book, I was like, oh wow, a new book. And then when he pulled out like the next book, I was like, whoa, two books. And then like he just kept going, and I was like, what? Who? What is this guy? kind of crazy creature is he (laughs) yeah on top of what he was like contractually obliged to already write yep yeah also like i wanted to hear i wanted to hear how his publisher reacted (laughs) when he was like oh hey like just so you know i'm gonna self-publish these four books that i wrote on the side because you know we didn't we didn't do a contract for these and i really wrote these for just me and my wife but now i want to share them with the readers and you know the team thinks it's a good idea was his publisher just like Ah, Brandon, what are we going to do with you, man? I do wonder, yeah. He's got at least two publishers because, like, his Cosmere books are done by a different company than some of his other books. So I don't know what the contracts look like that he's able to do that. Uh, I assume he can work on any outside project he wants. I mean, with how prolific he is, surely he has a contract where they're like, hey, man, you know, you keep a schedule and we don't have to worry about you. With your public with your publications because you you're always on time you're not like the other authors we have to deal with so if you got side stuff you want to work on we know you're gonna get us our stuff on time so we don't care I mean surely he's, that's the relationship they have he's mentioned in the past when he talked about I don't even remember what he was talking about but he's like in, in this situation this publisher has first right of refusal so I have to like show this to them before I can do something else with it but that may have just been like a specific sort of situation I don't know I don't know but I don't know how contracts in the literary industry work in general, so I can't really comment. Yeah. You got to imagine, though, that after something being this wildly successful, other big authors might start looking into, hey, maybe I should uh, do something that's going to make me $24 million. Yeah, I wonder how much of that, like, is cost, the cost is going into the books and shipping them out and how much of it is going into the team's pocket. Right. This guy is a monster of writing. Everyone's like... Uh, somebody posted just on Reddit today, like a screenshot of one of those uh, buttons you have to click when you go to a website that's like, I am not a robot. They're like, Brandon, we're going to need you to take this test. Can you say you're not a robot? <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting these swag boxes, and there's, it's interesting. They've got all different. There's one box that is just Hoid themed. Yeah. Ooh, sexy drifter yeah. themed, huh? Yeah. Comes with its own corpse boat. <laughs> is that is that Hoyt on the cover of the like thing on the cover of the Kickstarter? That is what people are saying. Yes, and there's some details on him that uh, kind of bear that out, but some of those might be spoilers, so I won't tell you. Gotcha. So yes, I was shocked when I saw this video, and many other people were like, "Holy crap, this guy's insane!" How I was I was I was delighted at these new books and stuff, and at the same time I was like, "How dare you like worry us so much?" 
this dude. Okay. But yes, that's uh I guess I've got I've got a question relating oh. to the Kickstarter. Now, obviously having no idea what these books are about, what does that do to your schedule for us? <laughs> People have asked have, have been asking that already in the Discord. So do you are you gonna wait and like read these for the first time along with the others so that you're all like experiencing it, Brand? You know he's not doing that. <laughs> and yeah, my answer was like I I'm not sure that I could force myself to do that. But I have the additional excuse that I need to read them so I can figure out where they go in our schedule. Exactly. I'm sticking to that excuse. Because we may have to, yeah, because depending on where they go, we may need to read them, like, next. Yeah. I kind of doubt that, that he, but, but yeah, maybe. So we'll see. I mean, it won't, definitely won't be next because they don't come out till next year. But we'll be, if my plan right. flows, we'll be in the middle of, a, like, a Stormlight book probably by that time. So uh, we'll see. The Stormlight well, Archives. Somebody did make a suggestion, which I'm thinking about actually taking, that uh, one thing is people have been asking, like, we want to support you guys to help give money to help you guys buy books or pay for whatever. So I've been working on putting a Patreon thing together. One oh, of the cool. things one of the things that someone suggested, which finally made me be like, OK, maybe if I if I do this, I will feel like we have some content to put up a Patreon and be like, here, here's extra stuff for you guys. The suggestion was. When new Brandon stuff comes out, as I read it, I record, like, my thoughts chapter by chapter, and they even showed me examples. Like, here's somebody who read, like, one of the Stormlight books and recorded, like, each chapter. There's, like, an eight-minute thing where as they're reading the book, they're going through and, like, oh, my gosh, this is happening and, like, giving their thoughts. And I was like, you know what? That I could do. I could, like, record my thoughts on each chapter, and we could post those as extra stuff for the patrons where they get, like, me being not spoiled on them. And then we could the show would still have to stay the same. None of you guys would have to put in a bunch of extra work or whatever. So that could be cool. That is what I'm thinking about going forward, and I'm working on exactly mm. that. Here's here's what I won't do. I will not read Dinosaur Erotica for the Patreon. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> funny because that was also what there's like you should have a goal where Joe has to read some Dinosaur Erotica. <laughs> uh, I, I will never do that. There is I no already... dollar amount that uh, that you could pay me to get me to do that. I'll have to take – I already – when I was looking at constructing the Patreon page, I, w I put up a goal that was like $150 a month. Joe will read Dinosaur Erotica. So I'll have to take uh, that down, I guess. Uh, yeah, you're going to have to take that out. I, I would pay for some extra Possum Hunter. Content. Sure. <laughs> we could some do Possum like a, Sure, we could do – I could write up a – me and Dak could work on writing up a script for Possum Hunters, and we could yep. – they could have their own adventures. That might be fun. So another thing we could do is one of the Baby Break episodes was you were reading uh, reviews of books Joe had read and you had to guess which books mm -hmm. it were. Like you could do like do one with me and one with Jamie for that as well. Mm, it's true. Yeah. If we have to take another break for some reason that Joe's gone, then yeah, we could totally do some stuff. I'd have to. Co I'd have to come could up do with one with Data. Ooh, or you guys have to find. Ooh. stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we could flip it. That would be interesting. Yep. Uh, so yes, there's there's ideas, but I think I like I said I think I have a good starting point, and we can elaborate on that as we go. Put up some more goals if we have other ideas. But I was gonna wait until we got closer to something new coming out. Like maybe if we get the White Sand graphic novel in June, that can be like the first thing, and I'll put up the thing and be like, hey, here's the first of the extra content. Because obviously, even though he writes ridiculous numbers of books, this would not be a thing where there was new content all that often because it would only be when there was something new that I could read, right? Uh, assuming that we didn't have additional content. So I don't want to have like three months where here's the Patreon. We're not posting anything new on it yet. So anyway, audience, yeah. keep a lookout for that. 
if you're interested in supporting us, uh, that will be an opportunity. If you're not, then just keep listening. That's support enough for me most days, so I'm good. Did you say there was a book in in this series, the Wax and Wayne series, coming out this year as well? Yep, November is when the last book oh, in cool. this series is supposed to come out. Excellent. Sweet. Sweet. So, yep, there will be at least a couple new things this year that uh, we could totally do that with. Yes, I'm excited about that possibility, and uh, I really appreciate everyone who's contacted me like, hey, how, is there a way that we can help support the show? Because uh, honestly, I mean, books in Australia are more expensive than books here. I think it's just because not that much gets printed there, so it all has to get yeah, shipped, which all, adds a little bit imports. to the... But even then, it's not really... Yeah. They're, they're not generally that pricey, so it's not that big a deal. to Because each book lasts us, like, months. So it's like paying $20, $30 for three or four months of content is not that big a deal yeah, uh, yeah. On, on my end. But uh, at the same time, I mean, like I pledged two times for us to get uh, the graphic novel, the white sand graphic novel sent to y'all and sent to me. And that was, uh, that was a little bit pricey. That's when I first started seriously thinking, maybe I'll look into a way to actually, if people want to contribute a little bit to let them, but I don't want to have ads on the show and I don't want to have a show that you have to pay for because really that kind of takes away detracts from the fun of it for me. And that's the whole reason that we started in the first place, because I thought it would be a lot of fun. So uh, try to keep it that way as long as possible has been my goal up to this point. Okay. Uh, we don't have any new reviews or uh, emails this week. Hey guys, if uh, this is your opportunity, now that we've got some new Mistborn and Ferrochemist, or not Mistborn, Misting and Ferrochemist names coming in, if you want to leave a five-star review for Joe to jump you into Misting crew, now is the time. You could be a you could be a blood, blood maker. maker. Yeah, you could be a you could be a, uh, what's the speed bubble one called? A skimmer. Skimmer. Maybe yeah. he'll give you a twinborn name. You could be a crasher. Uh, that's the only twinborn name we know so far. So that's the only one you're yeah. allowed to be. Oh, have we not heard Wayne's twinborn name? I don't think we have, no. Okay. Crasher. Bloodskim. Bloodskimmer. That'd be a yeah. cool name. So leave us some reviews if you want to get jumped in. If you'd like to send us emails, <laughs> the email address is thesanderlanch at gmail.com. We're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and places like that. Uh, we are, at this point, a, a little ahead of normal because we recorded an extra episode. So if you send us an email, it may be a little while before you hear it. But then again... If you send an email after you read this, we'll be caught back up again. So uh, it's true. If you sent an email like three weeks ago and haven't heard it yet, that's why. Maybe that's a better thing for me to say. <laughs> there you go. So for next time, we are reading three more chapters. That'll be chapters 11, 12, and 13 for next time. And we are trucking right along. We're That's episode six of nine that we're doing for this book. So we only have four episodes left. Dang. Yeah, we're we're getting there. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Music by Miracle of Sound. And wasing to the time of next. Colo? When we lose everything that defines us, can we hold to the promise that binds us and carry on into tomorrow's sorrow? When we're facing the ghosts of our destinies, will we turn or remain in the memories and choose to lead or choose to follow? I, I want you to keep in the part where, where Dak's like, you can edit this out, right? Oh, yeah, that'll be hilarious. <laughs> We're absolutely keeping that. They'll love it.